This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase, without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, that's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. is underway. Drops here for Gundogan. It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. There's Bruno Fernandes. There's half an appeal there for a handball against Grealish. The left hand was raised. Paul Tierney across to look at it. Penalty. To make it 1-1, it's Bruno Fernandes! Just nerveless. Fantastic spot kick. De Bruyne with the free kick, he moves it to the edge of the area. Gundogan again! I think De Gea's unsighted here. And Gundogan strikes for the second time. Through a crowd of players and in 2-1 City. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We are recording the morning after, the day before Sunday morning, to reflect on Manchester United's defeat, unfortunately, in the FA Cup final and also to reflect on the season that was for the club as a whole and also preview the summer because there's going to be quite a lot going on there as well I think. We've got Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell standing by who were at Wembley yesterday. We were supposed to have Carl Anker on this podcast too but he was last seen at 5.48 on WhatsApp. He was at Primavera in Barcelona last night so if anyone saw him there Please let us know what he was up to, where he could be now. If you've been out for a morning walk in Barcelona and you've spotted a strange man on a park bench, then let us know. Um, but anyway, we'll investigate about Carl later. But as I say, Andy and Laurie were at the game and they were speaking to Mark Critchley in the bowels of Wembley Stadium just a few minutes after the final whistle. And this is Laurie's pitch to be host of Talk of the Devils for next season, I think. So it is 20 past six on Saturday evening and we're in the mix zone at Wembley. I'm here with Andrew Mitten and Mark Critchley. I can't extend that anywhere, can I? It's not Marcus, is it? 
no, that's it. That's okay. just Mark. Mark John Critchley. Okay, middle John. Name. Middle yeah. name, John. Doing all right. Like yeah. us, a J. John, 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 John James and James. A, re- a regal middle name. Um, what did we make of that, Andy? I'm gutted because United have lost an FA Cup final, but I suppose it's the expected result. United didn't get hammered. 13 seconds in, I thought, oh, not again. Come on. And I was so deflated. And then when that penalty went in, you're like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> but, dumb and dumber? Are we, are we, are we, are we, who's the dumber out of all of us? <laughs> well, there's three of us here, so it doesn't really work. I'm dumber. <laughs> it reminded me of the 2011 Champions League final. I'm not saying City were as good as Barcelona, but United got a goal to get back into it. And I'm thinking, don't concede again at the start of the second half. And that's exactly what happened. Moments of United pressure late on. Look, they're up against one of the best teams in the world. I feel gutted about it now. But I do think with two or three new players to strengthen that side, I've just spoke to Ten Hag as well, that Manchester United can significantly improve. They're just such an effective, well-oiled machine. I think Varane had that half chance. You need efforts like that to go in if you're going to beat City. Just spoke to City's goalkeeper about Bruno's penalty. He was really pissed off about that. So that was a little bit of a buzz. And the other thing is, the main City song was to the tune of Ilanga. I mean, they've got this fantastic team. You'd think they'd come up with an original tune, wouldn't they? They must have listened to Talk of the Devils, right? Um, to, to, to put that one in. Um, what did Ten Hag say to you? Because in the press conference there, mm. he didn't want to get drawn into that kind of narrative. He wanted to focus on the season that he's had so far, the improvements that he feels his team have made, and also will need to make within the squad but clearly when he's bringing on Garnacho as, as your only real attacker that can actually do something on the ball Valtvegos you know bless him but he's, he's not being thrown on in expectation it, it's hope isn't it like, like for that scramble where McTominay gets his head on the ball but he didn't want to go there really with us he said we'll, we'll do our work quietly and then we'll make our plans and, and we'll proceed but what did he say to you? He told me that the four plays he's going to sign <laughs> he told me which day they're going to sign and how much the transfer fees will cost You just ask the right questions you know? don't you Andy? Um, Val Vegas has actually just gone past us in the mix zone head bowed not answering any questions so I mean, he, he looks sad at the end and, and I, don't, I don't know if, what you thought Mark but I, it was interesting seeing him and Garnacha, the two subs on the floor so obviously they're not yeah. you know, on the floor through exhaustion they're, they're desperate you know you've got Vegas probably he's thinking well this is my last chance to get a trophy certainly play for Man United you'd think Garnacho, youthful thinking this could have been the end of a really great season for, for him a breakthrough season but Rashford limping and I thought there was a few players like that actually Fernandez, obviously Sancho to come off with an injury his, his thigh was strapped at the end his left thigh he went across to Vegas, hauled him up, then went across to Garnacho, hauled him up, clapped the fans. I wondered if it was like Rashford saying to these guys, come on, you can't be on the floor here, or whether it was kind of more out of companionship. What, what do you reckon? I think it's understandable if they're on the floor at the end of that. I mean, it's been... Just on Garnacho, I know he was... A few cameras spotted that he's got the uh, FA Cup as his iPhone background the last few days. So how, how have they spotted that? I've oh, missed I, this. I, he's been walking through mix zones like this and he's just been showing the screen and it's there, so FA Cup upside down. So, you know, that sort of thing is a little insight into how much he actually means. Even players like Garnacho, but probably didn't expect to start today. I thought, look, when he came on, he's, he's an impact player, yeah. isn't he? He's an impact player. You just He's perfect for that last 15 minutes. And like, there was moments there where you thought he was going to cause City a problem and maybe bring something back. But... Look, if he's on his haunches at the end of the game, if Vegos is as well, I think that only shows how much it means to these players after a long, hard season, grueling. How many games is it? 58, 60, topping that? 
they're going to be knackered at the end of it and for it to end like this I always think a game like this a final coming at the end it can really colour a season it can end it on a sour note and I think there's reasons we've mentioned them here today there's reasons for that not to be the case with United this season there's, there's certainly progress that's been made we've spoke about it all season but there's little fine edges and little fine margins that still need to be rubbed out and, and that's the position we're in at the minute. It was interesting actually, Ten Hag in his press conference mentioned, I hadn't seen this stat, but he basically said today was the difference in the number of wins that Man United and Man City have had this season. I don't think he's quite right because I went and checked, I think City have got 43 and United have got 41 now. Yeah. So they, they could have equaled City with 42. But, but that's, that's an interesting stat. I mean, obviously they're, they're in different competitions, so Europa League compared to Champions League. But I still think that's a, f- a valid point to make. And what you're touching on there, uh, Critch, it, about how this colours the season, he, is that usual? He, he made the players or, or the players all stayed and watched City lift the trophy? Is that, is that un- I don't know, I'm trying to think back. Is that unusual? He, he basically said it out of respect, you know, obviously we, have, we did that and, you know, it can fuel you. It can you know, feel it in your stomach. It can hurt. I think Darren Fletcher said something like that after the Europa League final. I remember Oli having the players out there and Bruno right. being the last one to come off. So, okay. and I, he might have even said something to that effect as well. You know, I, I guess it sticks with players, doesn't it? You'd want them to be absolutely flawed watching Manchester City lift that trophy. I didn't ask you a question properly about Eric Tenag, did I? He did use that stat on me as well. I asked him about the two goals. He said they were soft goals. He said he was proud of the way that his team had performed. And I said, where did Manchester United go from here? Because it's clear that they're short. We, we've said that. And he did say he felt it's been a positive season, you know, talking about the results. It would be nice to get some transfers done nice and early. He described Manchester City as being the best team in the world. But, but they're not because Real Madrid are the current world champions. So <laughs> I'd rather stick to facts. I, I presume you corrected him on that, did you, Andy? Manchester City have never been world champions they've not even been European champions so I think it's a bit of an exaggeration to go from being champions of England which is quite a small country with 60 million people in it or 55 million to like saying the champions of 6 billion people Look, I thought you, are you giving us the capacity of Great Britain there not, not content with stadium capacities it's now on to countries I'm a bit gutted that I don't know the current population because for years I knew it was 58 for the United Kingdom I know it like shut up mate shut up people have been you know people have been getting excited haven't they procreating yeah I mean it's a bit a bit of a political hot potato with an increasing population alright Northern Ireland 1.5 Wales 3 Scotland 5 England's the one that's shooting up mate I love how Andy's got to shoot off yeah. for a flight and he's going on about different tangents. We've still got more to talk about here. The train strikes did me today, but thanks to a listener of this podcast, Matt, he picked me up from Gatwick Airport, brought me here. Another listener's given me a lift to Stansted Airport. Now, I'm on a 22-hour day, mate. I'm, I'm like you. What a community. Can I just also describe what Andy's wearing here today? He's got his, I think he's attending a wedding or something. He's got his a, a beautiful stone grey suit. He's got some, you know, what are these, what are the trainers that you've got on there? Stan Smith. Stan Smith. Wow. Okay. So who's kitted you out today then? We went full suit for the FA Cup. Carl would be proud. Carl's not with us today because he's at Primavera Festival. So hopefully he's having a good time. But yeah, you're, you're repping the, uh, the suit look for Carl. I'm going Primavera tomorrow night. Are you actually? Yeah. Too right, I am. Um, <laughs> what a way to get over this, then, eh? So, I've never worn a suit to a football match in my life, and this week I've had to wear a suit to the game on Wednesday in in Budapest and today. 
So I got told that you've got to look smart. And, oh, because you're on TV. And they said, can you send a picture? So I sent them a picture with what I thought was like a nice jacket. And they said, it's a little bit informal. So I'm like, what do you want? A cravat? <laughs> I mean, so I've had to put a suit on. Is I, that a I, pocket square in your... Oh, no, it's part of the suit. Okay. Carl looked, Carl looked absolutely fantastic when we saw him for that Newcastle game. I'm not even... You know, he, he, he had pink socks I on. I mean, he, he had a GQ suit. He, he, he had did. a GQ shoot ready after that, so... I was going to do a joke because I was working with David James today and I was going to do... Um, Ten Hag's just leaving. He's got, a, he's got a pace on him there. I mean, I'm told that 11pm and that is the players, they're, they're no longer Man United season. That's it. What are you going to say Man United players? I was, gonna say, I was thinking... I mean, some of them won't be, but um, yeah, it depends on what happens in the you know, the sales as well as much as the incomings um, but yeah I mean that'll be you know, Erling Haaland's just coming through here as well hair slicked back he's off to celebrate I guess although they've got two days off haven't they City yeah, he looks a bit off it didn't he today he looked like he wasn't fully full throttle yeah it wasn't really on it I'd like there was that little chance just top of the seat yeah Varane Varane had him I think Lindelof had a tougher time against him than Varane yeah. they were both sort of following him quite deep weren't they I think that, that is the good point they obviously had a plan you know against City and it, it, even though they conceded that ridiculous goal I mean what were we thinking at that moment where this is the thing with City is that that is the worst possible thing that happened from United's perspective yeah. obviously like, it sounds like an obvious thing to say but it's because they killed the game you know and, and I, you have to say up until that penalty I didn't think United were going to get back no, into really, it I, I, honest, I thought they, they were showing glimpses I think, look I think like the improvement was, was you could tell like they weren't the team that they'd been in for 13 seconds but it had be hard not to be they came back into it but what chances were they creating yeah, just yeah, not that's that fair. many and I, like, I didn't see a way through and then I think to then get that reprieve and come back into the game and then squander it again with another soft goal. That is the real disappointing thing. I mean, why was Gundogan alone at a set piece? I mean, he's on the edge of the box, isn't he? So you don't typically expect players to score from that range, but then I guess he already had, like... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally, so, literally lightning team. struck twice. I mean, it was, it was obviously a, a much weaker shot with his yeah. left foot, but still... And, and then this brings us to David De Gea. So he's obviously in the team to make saves that are high quality, and he did pull off two good saves in the second half, but should he do better there? And I also thought, and I don't know if you could touch on this, but Tenag's response... Um, after West Ham, he said, he'll be my keeper next season he was very forthright in that after that you know very bad mistake against Ben Rama today's answers were a little bit different um, he didn't want to get into it when um, Samuel Luckers was the first one to ask him about that of the Manchester Evening News he said today's not the day for that I want to applaud my players for the season they've had and then uh, Paul Hurst at the Times asked him directly about his kicking because I thought that was a re- again it's a really every time it was the same against Brighton wasn't it where he's having conversations with Lindelof and Varane and they're kind of d- debating it and then he's kind of shooing people away and then going long and, and then City were able to get the ball and kind of come back and Tenag's answer to that was yes we may progress this season but there are issues in games where we need to be better and that's how we take the next step so yeah what do you think of the whole situation? That was some question that son Listen <laughs> my questions are longer than my answers you shouldn't, shouldn't give me hosting duties like this I mean I'll, I'll keep going on just, just, just try to close Wembley Stadium now sorry mate is that 46 minute question <laughs> look you're, on, you're bang on he was, he was poor of his distribution it looked like he bottled it a bit in the first half I think a couple of his own players had a word with him because City were pressing so effectively that he looked nervous to go short and was then going longer but City were winning those key balls I wasn't surprised when Vegos came on actually because United were going long so often but how do you beat this City team what do you do I was a bit surprised Ericsson started and I thought he was pretty ineffective mm. Gonacho, Critch, you said it. He excites you. He'll have a go. 
He spun a shot just right, a goal. I mean, that's that's his shot that he does, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it reminded the, the West Ham FA Cup goal earlier this season, in the 90th minute. So you think he could have started Garnacho? No, I can see why he didn't. I'm not convinced he's ready to be starting all of the time. But I was still a little surprised that Ericsson started. Fred, I, I, could, I, I got that. I'll have to watch it again, but... That seemed to be a stupid free kick to concede, which led to City. The De Bruyne one, yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, yeah. and then um, the goal, it looked like it had been worked on the training ground. I, I did ask City's goalie, who was a very nice fella, I've got to say. Had he prepared for Bruno and he went, yeah, I've been prepping with him, been looking at where he put the ball each time and I just said, unlucky. <laughs> did you actually say <laughs> that to him? <laughs> it was dead nice and oh, I was okay. very polite. I was professional, it, mate. It, it was a, I can say it to you, can't right, I? There we go. You can say it to me on the, on the, you know, the director's cut here on Talk of the Devils. <laughs> Couple more things. So Andy's, Andy's literally, to, very quick, Andy, because I know you've got to go and get your flight to Barcelona for Primavera. Avram Glazer was here today, yeah. so was Sir Alex Ferguson. They were sat next to each other in yeah. the stands. We obviously did the story uh, beforehand that Avram Glazer was, was planning to attend and another 250 grand check probably for his flight via private jet over from Florida. There wasn't actually any, I didn't hear any protest songs for a start. No, no it was a bit underwhelming, wasn't and, it? And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and not really, there was, a, there was a banner in the away end saying 115, yeah. which I don't know what that's a reference to. We yeah. can maybe ask the listeners if they have any clue. Interestingly, Guardiola gave Fergie a big hug when he was, went up to get his trophy. I asked him whether he said anything about the treble in that moment, and he, he obviously said no. But, you know, I don't know, what, what do you make of Avram being here with Fergie? I watched him at the end and look, as we stand at the moment, he's still in a key position at Manchester United. I hope that will change and think it will change. And I think all Manchester United fans want that to change. He's probably more inclined to come into London. Um, you're right about the protests. There were a few flags, a sort of 115, but that wasn't against the Glazers. Can't think what that was for. And it was nothing like as pronounced as against Brighton and as against Newcastle where the anti-Glazer stuff. I think United fans have made their sentiments completely clear on the Glazers. I hope in the next couple of weeks, more than any transfer, that we get news on a sale of Manchester United. The Glazers have had their time and any influence at this club. I want them to be moved on. They were here. The Manchester United directors were there. They shook hands with every Manchester City player. They were professional. I get that. And I'm not going to talk about City winning the FA Cup anymore because I'm going to do one. <laughs> you go and do one. Well, you see the Pet Shop Boys you, tomorrow night. Pet Shop. I saw them at Glastonbury last year. Fantastic. Yeah. Favourite Pet Shop Boys song? What I get going to the tune of Casimiro to pay an arrow. Casimiro, whoa. Because it's original. It's a tune. It's based in youth culture in Milan. Within like four weeks, City would be copying it because you obviously copy everything. <laughs> but that's that Casemiro song's bobbins. We're not Middlesbrough, we're Man yeah, United. That, he needs, he needs a proper United. one. I heard that well, after the Chelsea game. I was like, this is Casemiro. Whoa, <laughs> a massive away end. I like that's it, Andy. What, yeah, well, Pet Shop Boys have already supplied sort of uh, a United song, haven't they? With old Uar Eric Cantona. Imagine him up front today. Jeez. Rashford on the left. You never know. Might have been different. I'm going to let you go, Andy, because I know you're sweating here. And I'm going to finish with Critch before he. Nice one, mate. You, See you later. Man. I'm not sweating, by the way. He's like, <laughs> it's quite hot. It's quite hot down here. Right. See you, mate. All, All the best. <laughs> um, I just want to touch on, on your journey this morning, Chris. Oh You're doing well, right? Thanks, so, because yeah. you, you, I saw you at kickoff, and yeah. you look quite tired. Why? Why? Because um, I was up at half four this morning to get a taxi to Leyland and then get a coach at about half five from Leyland down to Wembley with the Chorley Leyland Reds. 
who are why? a top bunch of like, why why because we, we do this job Laurie because okay. we want to so it's, it's, it's all for it's, it's all for our readers okay. it's all to give you an insight into Manchester invading London well a, a, a small little part of Lancashire invading London basically but no the top lads really enjoyed the day uh, made us feel very welcome it's actually Phil Jones's local away unit, if you like, that okay. he's and some, his mates run it. And so he's been down. You might remember he was spotted in the um, in the away end at Anfield that time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he was that was he went down on the coach that day. My mates actually in the front of the shot who I came down with today with that. He's celebrating that Rooney goal so hard that he elbows his mate in the back and he falls over and <laughs> knocks himself out while the camera zooms in on Phil Jones. Classic. But yeah, no, I had a great day up until <laughs> the obvious. I am a bit tired. And yeah, I'm just thankful that I'm not now got to get a bus to Istanbul for the Champions League final next week. So yeah. So obviously I could be City as well and I've got to stay, you know, slightly professionally neutral on this podcast. Yeah. But are you are you going to Istanbul? I'm not, I'm not. That has was, been, was unless, the, unless there's eleventh hour suddenly I, I better leave now if I am. Well what what was why, why, what's changed? Were you, were you ever going to Istanbul? No, I was never going, I was okay. never going. No, I'm actually uh, I'm off to Japan next week. As soon as the Champions League final finishes, I'm out, I'm off to Japan. Is it a holiday? Because City are there on preseason tour, aren't they? No, it's a holiday. It's a holiday that after today I feel like I need. Okay. Yeah. Well, enjoy. It's been a long season. Disappointing end for United, but I think a productive one overall. And yeah, uh, I, I might be giving Critch a lift back. We don't know. I might be staying down. I'm trying to figure it out as we speak. <laughs> as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Right, okay. Well, that was quite nice to sit back and listen to. But the big question, I guess, straight away, Laurie, did Critch buy some decent sweets for the trip back? I don't know, because I didn't give him a lift back in the end. You didn't? Well, you just left him there. Well, listen, I, I, when I was outside Wembley before the game, I was trying to doorstep Avram Glazer. I thought, listen, I can get catch him in the VIP section coming in. And as I was loitering around, I bumped into my friend Josh Landy, who I went to university with. 
He has this um, agency company called know, Fairface Talent. You know, Josh. Uh, yep. And he sorted out like the the ex-players for the uh, Club Wembley. So Steve Bruce, Brian Clare, Teddy Sheringham. He, he sorted all that out for the, 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 the guests. So uh, anyway, he said, stay down, stay at mine tonight. I've got a, a free house, wife's away. So anyway, I ended up taking him up on, on his, his offer and Critch managed to get a lift back with the Manchester Evening News boys. So I don't know what their confectionery supply was like, but hopefully it was uh, up to standard. We don't talk about them because they've got their own <laughs> podcast, don't they? So, um, Andy, but the thing about yesterday, it was a nightmare to get there. It's a nightmare to get back. Laurie's still at a service station, we should say, somewhere near Northampton. Is that right, Laurie? That is correct. I, and do you know what? I can still see supporters coming back through to the north. Yeah, so there is United shirts, there's some City shirts, but yeah, I'm in, I'm in Northampton. Yeah, my dad had a nightmare because we're supposed to be on holiday in Devon. Uh, well, I am on holiday in Devon, but... He only joined us at midnight last night because he'd driven somewhere else and then got a lift by someone he'd never really met before and dropped people off at Heathrow Airport for holidays en route and ended up having a roast dinner in Mayfair, as you do before the game. That is not normal. <laughs> Good for him. All. Is that Yonah behaviour? That wouldn't have happened if I was there, I don't think. But anyway. Um... Can I just say, Ian, you look glowing, by the way, on your holiday. Well, it's been beautiful, thank you, mate. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm missing out on a unicorn farm trip this morning to do this so i feel like you've probably actually rescued me to be honest but um, <laughs> i'm going to join the rest of the family in a bit that was a nightmare that game we've not even talked about it in the pod have we but we go every year down to cornwall for whit week and then the last few years since my daughter's been born we've then done a week in devon afterwards and saturday was changeover day so saturday was me checking out by 10 o'clock cleaning a caravan packing everything up with my wife, then driving with our daughter from Cornwall to Devon to then get the keys for this place. And for weeks I was thinking, how on earth am I going to just leave them in one county to get to another, to pack everything up? I need the car because there's train strikes as well. So they wouldn't even have a car. Uh, and in the end, I just had to take one for the team. I think that's only the second final I've missed since my dad first started taking me to finals in the mid-90s. And it felt, it felt so weird and a bit flat really just to be sat at home watching it and missing out on the first ever Manchester derby in a cup final I'm sure I wasn't alone in in feeling like that it's took a bereavement in the past for me to miss another final to be honest so you know it's pretty extreme circumstances anyway I'm being indulgent um lamenting yesterday and it was a nightmare for everyone wasn't it but somehow you've got yourself home you've got your plans for today as we heard about a moment ago you're sorted yeah, that's the way to do it. Just fly to Barcelona. Forget trains, planes, automobiles. Just get yourself home. Well, it wasn't that straightforward because I had to get from Gatwick to Wembley and I had to get back to Stansted. I'm pleased that some podcast listeners helped out. I had Matt taking me. Oh, really? Me. Yeah, really. Look, one of the highlights of my day, if I'm honest. Um, Excellent. Matt taking me from Gatwick to, to Perry Vale and then I got the last leg to, to Wembley. Going past some amazing temples. There's a big Indian community near Wembley. And I, I think I'll remember that more than as much as what happened on the pitch and a huge queue for a food bank, you know, stuff like that where you you see the incidental stuff. And then back to Stansted after, Nick and Sarah gave me a lift back, also listened to the podcast. Lovely, interesting people. Nick used to be a coal miner, you know, a real-life coal miner, telling me what, what it was like. I'm like, was it dark? He's like, well, what do you think? <laughs> so... <laughs> It was. Quite, I don't know what their companies are, so I can't plug them like Laurie was with his mate. But you know, <laughs> I, I did appreciate the gesture when, when I left Laurie. I walked down Wembley Way. It was sunny. The, I didn't see any trouble, which is a good thing. I got to Wembley Park and then took a tube to Harrow on the hill. 
where um, Nick was waiting uh, for me, City fans seeing me, where Andy Mitten up the blues. And I thought, well, that's fair enough. Do you know what I mean? I think I replied, no. <laughs> that's the best you could do at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really not very good, is it? Do you know what I mean? Not really, no. But no, yeah. but no is no. a clear signal. Not <laughs> up the blues, mate. So Exactly. Not, I am Andy Mitten, though. Uh, but yeah. So there we go. Um, obviously, you've talked about it a lot in that recording, but I think from my perspective watching it, it just felt like we weren't quite as good. I, I think that's ultimately my takeaway from, from the game is that there is there has been progress, Laurie, this season without question. I mean, we've reached the Andy Mitten standard of quality of top four in a trophy. But when there's been sort of really big, crucial moments in the season, aside from the League Cup final, obviously, things like when it felt like United were going to Arsenal to fire themselves into a title challenge, when they were going to Sevilla to see off them to get through to the semi-finals of the Europa League, when they're in the cup final at Wembley against Manchester City, there's just clear signs that the team's not quite good enough. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to look at the subs that both teams made and were able to make to acknowledge that, where you've got Alejandro Garnacho was Eric Tenag's first sub, and that was the one that I think everyone thought was going to happen. How good was he, by the way, when he came on? Good. Yeah, so what did it look like on TV? Because I, I was... I mean, it was quite nice that he, he did do something after I'd written a piece about him. I didn't, I didn't jinx him too badly, but <laughs> and he definitely he, he brought a bit of spark. But I'm always curious to how it then translates on TV because I thought Jaden Sancho was okay in the first half, and then people are telling me absolutely not. So yeah, what, what did you make of Garnacho then? Ian? He was the bright spark when he came on. Everyone was giving him the ball, and you can usually tell with the players. This has happened countless times down the years, especially with youngsters who are fearless in these sort of moments. When there's a real intention for the team, and it's not just individual players, there was a lot of them. And equally, this works when players aren't getting past the ball, but everyone just kept giving him the ball. Go on, Alejandro, go and make it happen. It felt like he was the most likely individual to to get the, maybe not get the equaliser, but make the opening for the equaliser down that left-hand side. He went probably as close as anyone, didn't he, with that shot that went just past the post as well. But Andy, I mean, that is a... That is a major takeaway for me from yesterday as well, is the fact that he looks an extremely bright prospect, someone ready to perform on the biggest occasions. He might only be 18, but he made an impact on that game still. I think it's the accurate takeaway. When he came on, there were huge roars from the 30-odd thousand travelling United fans. And who did replace Ericsson? Yeah. I don't think Ericsson had a good game. He didn't. I thought he was pretty ineffective. No. And Garnacho changed the game and he came close to, to scoring. It was really difficult to play against that Manchester City side. So was he ready to start the game? I, I even have my doubts there, but to, to come on as an impact player and probably the only player off the Manchester United bench who could do that, although Scott McTominay came quite close to scoring. You look at the difference between the two benches yesterday and it was significant. So I think it was a good takeaway. He's exciting. He's a player in the Manchester United tradition. You want to see someone running at opponents. I spoke to a couple of coaches before the match and they said the one area we might have joy is getting in behind Manchester City's fullbacks. And that's the area which Garnacho exploited. So I think he can hold his head high. I spoke to him after, not, not as a journalist, but just outside the dressing room area. And the conversation went, hello. And and I said, hello. So, good insight. Searing really, insight. Really, really good insight. Yeah. <laughs> in English or Spanish? Spanish. I was talking to Martinez in Spanish. 
But then I realised after that he actually speaks perfect English. Yeah. And he was talking to a Manchester City player. And I, I was saying I'd been to Cordoba and he went, he's from Cordoba. I went, oh, yeah. And I don't even know which City player it was. You need to ask a professional football journalist here. <laughs> I better Google it now because it's going to be it'd probably be Alvarez, won't it? Well, considering he's the only Argentinian in their squad, yeah? Yeah. You don't know who Julian Alvarez is? Yeah, of course I do. I just didn't know oh, what to look at. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could do a list here of people I don't recognise after Lucy Bronze a few weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm going to say this is worse than Lucy Bronze, I think, just about. Why, why should I care what Manchester City players look like? I don't know, because you're covering the game for, yeah, it for was an in yeah, rights holder. It was yeah, it was, um, it was Alvarez. Kids won the World Cup this year. Yeah, I know. I know. My, my, head, my head wasn't in the space with him. No, okay. I knew enough. I knew it was. I've just said who it was, but I <laughs> I was talking to Martinez about Argentinian fan culture. Oh dear. Basically, this is um, as a journalist, this is what <laughs> I once went up to Marcus Rojo and someone at United. Remember when Liverpool beat us in the Europa League? Yeah. And United United said, "There's not a chance any of those players are going to stop and speak to you lot." So I thought, I bet I can get Marcus Rojo, who I didn't know, to stop and speak. Any money on it. And I bet someone a tenner. And he walked past. I said to him in Spanish, I've just been with the ultras of Estudiantes, which is his local club. And he, he stopped. He went, what? And I said to him, just been with the ultras of Estudiantes. I've just been to your hometown three days ago. I met Juan Sebastian Barón. And he put his bag down and started talking to me. Really? That's really. quite a hook, that, isn't it? It's a belting hook. Do you know what another good hook is? The word Manchester. So, 2014 World Cup in Brazil, got all these like city-type players who I don't recognise walking past. <laughs> and someone might have said, you know, he's a city player. And they walk past, completely blanking you. Just say, from Manchester, mate. And then they go, ah, I can't piss off the audience who pays my wages. Because he don't know who you are. So I've had a few that way as well. <laughs> nice. Anyway, that was a bit bit of a left field. Turn. No, Alvarez was brilliant when he was in Argentina. And he's the type of player Manchester United should have signed. Because he wasn't even that expensive. No, he wasn't. This actually brings it nicely full circle, Andy, there to, to the original point, which is about the benches and, and you know, yeah, Tanag having to make his second sub. Val Vegos, you know, an emergency loan signing. We, we've said it time and again, but I think that, that's where they need to get to next, where they've got strength in depth, but that's easier said than done. Yeah, that's something we need to talk about based on you know your chat that, that you two had with Critch at Wembley. I mean, the squad for next season and, and what that game told us yesterday, Danny Taylor's written a piece on The Athletic about pushing for Harry Kane and about that match and the options off the bench, like we've said, proving that that should be a clear reason for Manchester United to push for a player of that calibre. You can go and read that, of course, on The Athletic now. De Gea as well, he's probably the biggest sort of talking point, I would say, discussion point from from yesterday from a personnel perspective, and we'll get into that too. But just on transfers, Laurie, you said you tried to doorstep Avram Glazer. You were recording that in the mix zone at Wembley yesterday. Did you get a chance to quiz him on... Transfers? Is Harry Kane coming? Uh, no, I did not get a chance, unfortunately. I don't even know. Would he know, really? I mean, you talk about people recognising footballers. Would he recognise Harry Kane? 
maybe that's harsh. Well, he stays in five-star hotels just outside of London quite often, so he might have rubbed ah, shoulders. Good yeah. point, good point. Expensive ones. <laughs> well, um, he did come through the mix zone before we got there, you know, obviously, uh, always after the story. Uh, to be fair, we were in the press conference with Eric Tenag, and he didn't say anything to anybody that asked him about the takeover anyway. I do feel like this week we could actually hear a development. I know it's been yeah. the never-ending story and, and incremental updates and claim and counterclaim, but there's a sense that actually now the season's over, there might be uh, an announcement of sorts. Yeah, I think there is a sense of that. I think there's also been two or three other times when there's been a sense of that, and we've mentioned them on, on the podcast. Is there another final offer coming, is there? No, I, I, I don't think so. I'm not party to negotiations, but I, I don't think so. I think they maybe know who the who they're going to go with. I thought there was a pretty significant piece in the Financial Times at the weekend as well about it. Uh, and my overriding feeling on this is it needs to be sorted either way. Definitely, especially with the window coming as well. I mean, in terms of that FT piece, that said that it was going to be you know a stage takeover if it was Sir Jim Radcliffe that that was to buy Manchester United and that the Glazers would retain a stake, at least initially, Andy, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. it's. I think one thing that worries fans is that the Glazers stay on in any capacity, and I get that. I think that their presence is toxic in the eyes of many fans, and I, and I get that as well. But if you're paying billions, they're going to be in no position of influence whatsoever. You do not buy the train set and then give someone else the trains. It just just doesn't happen like that. That's that's common sense. That's not. I don't need to be a financial journalist to to say that. I get that some United fans want Qatar. I get that some United fans are appalled at that idea, and vice versa with the Sir Jim Ratcliffe um, Ineos one as well. Someone said to me right at the start of this, Jim Ratcliffe loves to do a deal, loves to structure a deal. Is an expert at doing a deal. I was also with someone in Budapest this week who knew far more about these things than I did. And he just said he's revolutionised the British chemical industry the way he's been a deal maker as well. So it just helps you build up a picture of what somebody's like. I said three or four weeks ago on this podcast that Ineos were feeling very confident. I've had nothing to make me change that opinion. Obviously, if you look on Twitter, you see a surge of people going Qatar, Qatar, Qatar. And if you do polls on the Athletic or United We Stand or United Scandinavian Supporters Club, you get the opposite of that. So where does the truth lie? It's an interesting one, but it needs to be sorted out. And the Glazers have had their time, and that time should be coming to an end. Whether that happens immediately is the question. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Okay, before we go any further, I need to remind you about our live show dates. We're at New Century in Manchester on Monday the 4th of September and then in London the night after at Leicester Square Theatre on Tuesday, September the 5th. Tickets are selling out fast in both locations, so don't miss out. To book your tickets and to get more info, head to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils. I don't suppose either of you had a chance to scope out Leicester Square Theatre while you were down in the big smoke, Laurie Andy? No, not yet, although I think... I'm down in about 10 days where I might be getting a little sneak preview. So we'll, we'll let you know about that on you know, the old social media channels. But I did bump into somebody outside the broadcast entrance to Wembley. So after Josh had told me that I wouldn't be able to see Avram in the VIP entrance, he said there's actually a VVIP entrance uh, where you might, you, know, you, you might be driven into. And guess who I saw outside there? Andy Mitten, obviously. Uh, he was one of the people. <laughs> was he in his suit? He was in his suit, yeah. Looking, looking, looking. Is your suit? Is your Open League final suit? No, I've got a two suits. You got two? <laughs> I had okay. to wash the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to wave at him as well, and he ignored me. I think he was trying to, you know, he's, he's, he had more high profile friends that he wanted to, to mix with rather than me, but uh, eventually I managed to nab him uh, just before he went, uh, <laughs> after, after he'd gone through security. Right, can, can I give but, my uh, version of events there, please? Uh, I didn't mean to ignore you, you know that. You know, I think the world of you. That is the entrance for television, which Ian off the telly will know better than anybody, <laughs> right? It's not a glamorous entrance at all. It's just a back entrance. Exactly. Am I right, Ian? You're right, mate, yeah. It's not all glamorous. Right. It's fine. Okay. So, you know, I, I went in there. The actual media entrance where Laurie was hobnobbing around with his mate who's got a company. You need to mention your mate's company a few more times. <laughs> it's actually a lot posher and you get given a free match programme, which I didn't get. Carry on, boys. Very good. Well, on Carry the on. live show theme... I bumped into a uh, listener called Jace, who was absolutely lovely. He's already got his tickets. Uh, he's a subscriber and he listens to the podcast and we had a lovely chat. So that's the kind of thing, hopefully, that people can enjoy if they come to the show. A little bit of mixing, a little bit of chat. Be more Jace. Get your tickets now. <laughs> All the details are on our social media channels. Right. We need to do a little review then of the season because obviously the match at Wembley brought an end to what's been a fairly successful first season for Eric Ten Hag. We'll get into all the different aspects of that first, but just just as a, a general point, really, how successful do you think this season has been, Andy? I said fairly. What what word would you use? Between 7 and 8 out of 10. It's not a word, but I'll, we'll go with it. All right. Good. Good, successful? That doesn't, that doesn't work out. Well, United won a trophy, so so it is, it's successful. Positive. It's not where we want Manchester United to be, ultimately, is it? No. But the team are climbing back up a mountain and... I've got pretty far up that mountain and Manchester City are at the, at the top of the mountain with a flag at the top with 115 written on it. But Manchester United <laughs> are doing all right under Eric Ten Hag. Did you see that flag in the away end with 115 on, Laurie? I, I, did, I did indeed, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, we still Have we figured out what that's for? <laughs> right, so we've done our point about it being quite good fairly successful I don't know what the phrase was that we stumbled upon 7.5 out of 10 what does it mean for the future Andy because we talk about the standard of quality being you know top four in a trophy should expectations be higher next year I think they should yeah just as they were in the second season under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for example if Manchester United recruit this summer then you would expect United to improve more points in the Premier League sort that away form out against the better sides, get get closer to the top teams. Are United ready to win the league yet? The, the summer transfers will give us a more accurate answer at the start of next season. 
So do you think we have to wait then before we work out exactly what the target should be for next year? Yeah, because if you sign Julian Alvarez up front, then you've got to be thinking Manchester United are going to be significantly You're going better. to be disappointed, aren't you, for a start? Who's this guy we've signed? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes good not knowing what people look like because then they're like, this guy doesn't know who I am. They spend their lives getting mithered by people who have one-way conversations with him and suddenly I'm talking to him about museums in Cordoba and he's thinking, what on earth is this crank going on about? It's so weird that you talk about museums with him because I interviewed him this year in the Football Museum in Manchester. So yeah. you could have talked to him about that. He had a look round as well. With them South American lads, seriously, if you've been to their hometowns, they'd really appreciate it. Well, it's a long way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get that. Go on, Andy. So summer signings are a key and progress in the Champions League. I think we all know what progress is going to look like. And the home form can't be better results-wise, can't it? But you know yourself, this this Manchester United team, it's like a 70% team. But if you, and if you can put it to 85%, beat City away or beat Liverpool away, and we know where, we know where the, the team has got to improve. Well, basically, I think you're looking at and I don't know if you agree with this, Laurie, but you're looking at the team in the league not just qualifying for the Champions League, but pushing themselves towards a title race, maybe even being in one. I'm not going to say that United need to win the title next year because I still feel that that's several steps away. Picking up another piece of silverware somewhere along the line and getting through to the knockout stages, the latter stages of the Champions League. that That's the target, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You want to see development on all the areas that they've kind of progressed this season um, it would be nice if they could go through the season without getting absolutely smashed that would help yeah that's probably one thing to, to add into it I don't want to concede six seven uh, no. ever again actually well, and to be fair I suppose it. just on reflection on the FA Cup final that actually did feel a little bit like the first five minutes was like oh wow this could be another yeah. you mean the first 12 seconds <laughs> I mean that, that that just can't happen I'm sorry like I know. you know it just shouldn't happen no. should it no, awful. Second ball, Gundogan, totally free. You know, it, it, is it Ericsson? Is it Fred? Is it Casemiro? What? What is it? What are the well, all of them. Yeah, the organisation. Yeah, really bad. So and and so I thought at that point, wow, this could this could go the same way as the six three. And obviously, there's been a seven nil and a four nil. So you know, if you can get rid of those, that would be great. And yeah, I think it's about qualifying for the Champions League with room to spare I know ultimately they did it before the final week of the season but if they could actually do that and, and just look that confident the whole way through you know they're nine points off Arsenal 14 points off City I mean they, they are they're, they're, they're decent gaps but they're not insurmountable you know they've, they've, they've made 17 points on what their total was last season so you're sort of getting into the realms of feasibility here but it, it does it comes down to those options that Ten Hag has got because he's he's had to put sticking plasters over situations at times this season you know with Luke Shaw as a centre-back he's looked good but like he's a better full-back with Bruno Fernandes out on the right wing with Valt Vegos as a number 10 I mean come on wow so you can sense that he is I think bullish behind the scenes I think he's got the bit between his teeth in terms of what he wants to have happen those conversations are taking place as we've already touched on in terms of the signings that he would like Again, there's financial implications to it all and the order that they do certain things in will depend on how much they can raise in sales. You know, Harry Maguire, Dean Henderson, Scott McTominay, Fred, you know, these are players that could actually get some value in for United if they do decide to sell them and how that then balances out what they're able to spend because they, you know, I'm sure, I mean, we say two or three signings, but really it's, 
it's three or four again to really propel United to a, a position of strength. Well, the thing is, over the years, you look at Manchester City squad, for example, in the cup final, and that's been added to over a long period of time. Yeah. You know, there's players in that team who, who even predate Pep Guardiola, who's been there now for, what, seven years. So if you're looking at United squad, it's it's getting three or four, which add yeah. to what they've brought in previously and not replace, which has been a major issue as this squad's been built. And obviously that then leads to the question marks about the recruitment, about the way the money's spent, considering quite how much United have spent over these last few summers, which is eye-watering. And especially when you consider that it doesn't feel like they've particularly moved forward with a lot of that money that's been spent too. So it's spending it in the right way, supplementing what they've got, having a plan for where these players fit into the team. Eric Ten Hag having a clear idea about the structure of his side, the tactical setup of his side and signing players to target that as well. David De Gea yesterday, Andy, I mean, you two touched on it a little bit in your chat inside the stadium, but the way those goals were conceded, um, again, led people pointing the finger at him. Um, Do you think that that game in any way changed Eric Ten Hag's view on the goalkeeping situation for United? Only he'll know that, and he was asked about it. He said that there were soft goals, so certainly won't have improved Eric Ten Hag's view of his goalkeeper. I think we'll see a situation where uh, David will sign on a much lower contract, allowing wiggle room for another number one. David needs to be pushed. I've researched a lot about this. When he's really, really being pushed, then he's effective. Yeah. And there's a bit of a misnomer here. Remember when Sergio Romero was number two, everyone was saying best number two in the league. David knew that Sergio Romero couldn't play every week because his body wasn't up to that. So he wasn't being sufficiently pushed. Right. And when Dean Henderson was really pushing him, we saw David here playing some of his better football, but before that he'd made mistakes. I thought he looked really uncomfortable at parts of the, of the first half yesterday. I think if he sets his mind to it, and he hasn't always done this, and trains as hard as he can do, he can continue to be a top goalkeeper. I spoke to loads of goalkeeping coaches about him. You know, they, they, They're actually quite defensive of him. They say his stats are very good, comparable with the best, but he... He looked pretty uncomfortable in that first half. So, would I be surprised if another goalkeeper came in? No, not at all. On De Gea, Laurie, you tweeted, uh, Andy mentioned it there, about Eric Ten Hag talking about him after the game. You tweeted the quotes, and I thought this was really pointed. And maybe you can give a bit of context to this, because me reading it didn't read well for De Gea from my perspective. But Ten Hag on De Gea's kicking. Say it like this, we are in the right direction, but there are issues in the game we have to improve definitely if we want to make the next step and win trophies. Does that mean that Ten Hag believes that De Gea can make that improvement or does he feel that the team needs to be improved by getting a goalkeeper who can play the way that he wants to play is the improvement? My, my feeling is that ultimately it's the latter. If, if he had a blank cheque and he could go and do whatever he wanted in the transfer market, he would get a goalkeeper that is more suited to his style, who could play out from the back, start attacks, because you saw it time and again against City that Deheia wasn't confident in passing it out. There was there was some moments where it worked, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a naturally flowing situation. It wasn't it didn't fill his teammates with confidence. And then he would go along, and City would come back at United. They would win the ball, and it'd be a City attack. And you could see it's happened repeatedly where he's had conversations with defenders about 
whether to go short, whether to go long. And it, it, it feels like a goal kicks become this kind of big drama, it seems, uh, you know, at United. So with Ten Hag saying that, and, and the context for it is that he's been asked about De Gea so many times in the past sort of few weeks, months. Is he signing? Is he staying? Are you happy with him? And I think this was kind of the first point at which he's, he's gone, OK, cards on the table here. Yeah, if, if I want my team to be at its absolute best, I would want someone that is just, that, that, that is part of their game, that they are part of an outfield dynamic that can set attacks off. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Like I say, everything that I've heard is that De Gea will sign a new contract on reduced terms. Whether that means that he is the absolute number one, I'm not so sure. But then again, do United have the funds to buy a goalkeeper that could push him to be number one or, or even be that number one? And and even if De Gea takes a reduced salary, he's still going to be very well paid. To have that kind of money on the bench is going to be a big question mark. So it's a really fascinating situation. Well, Andy, does it not question the logic of giving him a, a, a new contract if, if Ten Hag does have these concerns over him? No, because as Laurie says, he's an established Premier League goalkeeper and to go out and, and buy an equivalent could take money away from Manchester United's other priorities. I don't think David De Gea's had a terrible season. It was a talking point because when goalkeepers make errors, it becomes more of a, of a talking point. I mean, we're talking about a goalkeeper here who's kept more clean sheets than any other goalkeeper. This season in the Premier League, we can't just go in hard on him. Well, we can do, and plenty of United fans do, but we've got to be balanced about him as well. Well, we're trying to be reflective of the conversations that fans are having. That That's the point, and I think... Some fans want him gone. Some, You know, us being supportive of him will bring condemnation because some fans think absolutely... Yeah. Um, well, it has in the past. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's fair comment as well. And as Laurie says... If Tenog was building his team from scratch, De Gea is not a, a goalkeeper who he would be signing. But Val Weghorst is not a player who he would be signing either. Cristiano Ronaldo is not a player who he would have started out with when he took the job. Well, well that's so, the question now, isn't it? It's, it's how yeah. much does he accept being pragmatic in his, in his choices now? Now he's won a trophy, he's finishing the Champions League, he's done everything that could be expected of him. Now he's got the leverage to go, you know that you, if you put your faith in me, then we can keep going and going. So this is this is now he's I've I've kind of made my adjustments this season, but to get, really go on to the next level, you need to back me properly. I know that they spent a lot of money last summer. That there'll be there'll be people rolling their eyes that say, "Come on, you know, no other manager got that much in one transfer window." But I still feel like there's different ways of showing that support in terms of being smart with your recruitment. I mean, one, one person texted me yesterday that, that um, knows Manchester United very well and, and just said Stefan Ortega was, was better with his feet than David De Gea. You know, this is City's backup goalkeeper. Yeah. And that's someone who you could argue... He was a free transfer last summer. Right, yeah. amazing. He wasn't necessarily planned for. A lot of it surrounded the fact that Zach Stefan wanted to play in the in the World Cup for the USA, so wanted first-team football. So he was the solution to that issue for City. It was not like he was brought in as a as someone to challenge Edison or anything like that. So it shows there are keepers of quality and, and, and that particular tactical ability as well who are out there and can be recruited. City recruitment has been brilliant and every fan gets seduced by big names, but we've got to trust Eric Ten Hag again. Yeah. And if he says a player who might not be as familiar as others, we've got to trust him. Just last year is a great example of that. Nobody was talking about Lissandro Martinez a year ago. And... I spoke to Stefan after the game. I did actually know who he was as well. Oh, well done. And Yeah, <laughs> I did. 
<laughs> and the ownership, the, the new owners are going to be an issue as well, as is financial fair play. United spent that much money last summer. Yeah. Was sailing very close to the win. So it's all right saying new owners are going to come in and start buying Julian Alvarez or whoever. There's financial fair play considerations, and United are being hit by that because recruitment has not been good enough. Whereas City have, have recruited exceptionally well. You look at someone like Rodri, you know, United should have been in for him. Ruben Diaz, I know exactly what went on there on a deeper level. City have got fantastic relationships with Benfica. Why haven't Manchester United? It's those type of connections which lead you to signing players. And that's for another time to dis- to discuss that. But Tenog has earned the right to recruit in conjunction with the people there. There's some very good football people at Manchester United. People like Darren Fletcher have got good eyes for players as well. Last year wasn't bad. And if this year is, is pretty similar, we'll get a decent striker in, midfielder. I think United will improve significantly. Well, that seems like a good place to leave it. Uh, but before we wrap things up, we need a bit of a Carla anchor update, don't we? I'm guessing by the time people listen to this, he will have surfaced somewhere. But Andy Laurie, do we know his whereabouts? Any updates? You know, at the start of the pod, you said 5.48. Yeah. Right. That's in England. Carl's not in England. Oh. I, I got back to Spain and looked at my WhatsApp. It's 6.48. It's an hour on. So he's parting even later. <laughs> he's gone even later. Should we clarify this is AM, by the way, listeners? He's not, yeah, he's not like out for an evening stroll. And, uh, Any chance he just got up really early for a jog on the beach? <laughs> what, after Primavera? Gosh. I went there last year, right? I talked a good story with my daughter. By the third day, I couldn't go. <laughs> I was just exhausted. She could have said, All you know. Like walking. I just couldn't go. I, I was absolutely shattered. I stayed awake for 20, 22 hours on Saturday and was amazed that I got through it. But I did. <laughs> can, can I ask one thing as well? Ian? We, we didn't touch on this in the last podcast, but what are you using as your stand whilst you're on holiday? Uh, well, have you, have you, are you still using it today? I am in a new location now, so it's quite nice of uh, this particular rental that they have. Um, it's not a laptop stand because I forgot that, but they do have some coasters, so the laptop is wedged up on the coasters. Uh, but the other day, I was using a bottle of gin and a bottle of Jack Daniels. So <laughs> it felt very appropriate that that was what you were using. Yeah, that was the only thing I, I could find to be able to get it at the right level. And I emptied both bottles last night, so um, yeah. that's what defeating the FA Cup final will do for you. Okay, so this is the last podcast we should say of the season uh, for Talk of the Devils. We're going to take a short break over the summer. We'll be coming back once all the excitement kicks off again with the pre-season tour. Andy and Laurie are set to go over to America, so I'm sure we'll enjoy their tales, whatever they get up to over there. But we will be back if there is any major breaking news a la Ronaldo during the World Cup break. So I guess we'll speak again in a couple of days, considering the way things have been set up at the moment. But we should say at this point, a huge thank you to every single one of you for listening this season. It's been absolutely brilliant to have so many people invested, involved in the podcast, to meet you, to get lifts off you if you're um, Andy Mitten. And also for all your questions and all the messages on social media and everything else, it's been fantastic. Keep it up. We look forward to seeing you at the live shows. Remember, you can go to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils if you've not got a ticket and you want to attend. And we also need to say a big, big thank you to our producer, Ollie, as well, who does a fantastic job on this. He doesn't often get a mention. Occasionally he does, uh, but we need to give him a huge, huge thank you today because 
This is his last pod with us. He's a massively talented guy and a top lad to boot as well. He is a Newcastle fan though, so not perfect, but not far off. But thank you, Ollie, for everything that you've done. If you want to get your questions in over the summer, we have the email address as well, devilspod at theathletic.com. So please get in touch and we'll get to those whenever we reconvene. Andy and Laurie, thank you both as well for everything you've done this season for the podcast too. And Carl, wherever you are, my friend, I hope it was worth it. We'll see you on the next one, whenever that is. Take care. Bye-bye. Sit to the edge of the area. Good to again. And Gundogan strikes for the second time. Just stop you crying. It's a sign of the time. Way through. Brooks is there again and scores again. Pascal Gross has started this season on fire and is blowing Manchester United away. offside but Phil Foden believes he's emulated Erling Haaland three apiece that is the cherry on the icing on the cake Bobby Firmino time that's how close it was to the end of the game goal's given oh, wow. the goal is given Bruno scores the goal stands and another chance for Ganacho. turns it across Rashford the roof has blown off Old Trafford an incredible turnaround Fernandez does put the issue beyond doubt Manchester United will be back in European football's Premier Club competition next season. And then Anthony! And the referee blows the whistle. It's a magical Manchester night. Barcelona have to concentrate on La Liga and the Copa del Rey. It's a Manchester United victory and a famous one too. Sweeps in the kick, it's there! It's Manchester United who draw first blood and Casemiro, the man in the middle of the centre.
Hutchins is the scorer. Oh, it's deflected and in! And Manchester United really have got a grip of it now! With a goal from the player at the peak of his powers! Marcus Rashford! Nine months into his reign, Eric Ten Hag has his first trophy as Manchester United manager. And he'll be determined that it's not the last. Hello my friends, this is Carl Anker, slightly bleary-eyed, uh, having only just recovered my voice from the final night of Primavera in Barcelona, uh, an amazing music festival here. Uh, last year I managed to bump into Andy at it, I believe went to Patshot Boys, not too recently, I couldn't quite make it. Um, yeah, Barcelona's lovely, uh, Rosalia was a fantastic concert, as some of you might have seen as my last tweet, when I should have woken up early enough in the morning to do talker levels my sincere apologies i wasn't there to record live with everyone else but one thing led to another uh also want to say thank you to mark uh, a manchester united fan i saw at Primavera who bought me a gin and tonic although i suppose that hangover i can probably blame you for that now that's a dog barking uh onwards to a champions league final now between manchester city and inter milan i can only hope one of romelu lukaku Heinek Mkhitaryan or Matteo Damian can do something special and end the treble uh, and in terms of upcoming pieces I'm sure I'll be writing some uh, statistical breakdowns on possible strikers, goalkeepers and maybe even central midfielders that Matish and I could be looking at in the summer. Other than that, I'll see you all very very soon. Hope you can all make it to the live show uh, and Mark if I see you in Manchester sometime, are you a gin and tonic as well? Take care everyone, have a great summer. The Athletic.